It is great to be here for the 2SEL Book Club. Thank you, as always, for having me. I confess, I've actually got a little bit of a, a flashback, weird kind of book club thing going on this week. See, there's an absolutely incredible sequel to a stunningly fun book uh, that was released last week. It's called Nancy Business. It's the sequel to 2019's The Nancys from RWR McDonald. Now, the problem is I've only just started Nancy Business. And rather than, you know, giving you the first five-page review or revisiting my book club on The Nancys, I thought we'd go back even further still to a piece that I wrote on the history of what would become one of RWR McDonald's inspirations, Nancy Drew. If you're not familiar, our tale starts 100 years ago. So, Nancy Drew is best known as an unassuming, always ready teen detective from River Heights. Her father, Carson Drew, is a crime-fighting lawyer, and her asexual boyfriend is Ned Nickerson. Great name, Ned. She's the star of hundreds of novels and several screen adaptations, but she's also been around for, you know, close to 100 years, and she's gone through numerous iterations. And right now, it may sound like Nancy Drew is some kind of uh, undead monster, and we need to call in one of the various iterations of Buffy the Vampire to slay her. Did I say Buffy the Vampire? (laughs) In fact, Nancy Drew is the product of an extremely successful, if highly exploitative, publishing syndicate that was able to turn the methods of mass production to teen literature. So, Nancy Drew, along with her teen detective counterparts, the Hardy Boys, were the brainchild of the publishing empire of Edward Stratemeyer. Um, In the early 20th century, Stratemeyer grew his empire using a shrewd understanding of what children wanted and how to market it to their tiny allowances. Yay, capitalism! Stratemeyer was capitalising on a confluence of social and cultural changes, including an increase in childhood literacy, the popularising of assembly line techniques, and a growing appetite for entertainment. This created audiences that would devour series aimed at young readers for 10 to kind of 50 cents a pop. So, Stratemeyer knew what the public wanted, and he created characters that would resonate with their ideal lives. He created every person type characters, at least, the caveat here is if you were male, uh, white, middle class, and occasionally, you know, there'd be a female character. He employed marketing and cross-promoting techniques to sell these things in a way that just Amazon would be proud Now, he was always seeking new titles and also for an older audience. So, to that end, Stratemeyer launched The Hardy Boys in 1926 and the first Nancy Drew books followed in 1930. They were written under the pen name Carolyn Keene. They were incredibly popular. They overturned the maxim of the time that girls didn't need their own books. And in fact, they just, you know, read whatever they were thrown, you know, usually boys' books. The original writer of Nancy Drew was Mildred Wirt, but there were many more to come over the years. The books were penned by a team of writers working under a pseudonym, so, you know, it looked all wholesome and consistent. But much like the comic book industry that was to come, the Stratemeyer Syndicate knew how to screw over its bullpen of writers, with many of these writers struggling to survive. Plus their charms, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Nancy Drew has had many updates over the years, but the basic concept was formulaic. She lived in River Heights, Ned Nickerson was her boyfriend, they had a sunny white bread relationship, and they were not particularly troubled by diversity. Each book saw a mystery emerge that was solved by hard work, a bump on the head that never seemed to cause concussion, and a whole lot of pluck, luck, and coincidence. Across the years and her many faces, Nancy became a publishing powerhouse that, despite her extremely American origins, even, you know, managed to hit publishing down here in the Antipodes. 
Nancy Drew's popularity, though, it makes her a very troubling icon. Her freedom and independence offered one vision of equality. And in the 1930s and through the years to come, you can kind of see how it might have inspired the minds of some young girls to dream. However, her white suburban privilege firmly situates that freedom as the domain of her dominant culture status, and it does nothing for a world coming to understand that intersectionality was never a choice, but an inevitability. Nancy Drew, why are we even talking about it? So, we're talking about it because RWR McDonald has a new book out, Nancy Business. I'm going to be bringing it to you soon. And Rob's books do not share the troubling history I've just described. They're the heartwarming story of a young girl, her gay uncle, and his fashion designer boyfriend solving crimes in a small town in New Zealand. And it is every bit as delightful as that sounds. They're equally hilarious, heartwarming, but also have this real interesting edge. Uh, I cannot wait to bring you a book club on Nancy Business. I just need a little bit more time to do some reading. So, that was a potted history of Nancy Drew and the, um, I guess, the mass publishing that was going on at the turn of the 20th century. Thank you so much, as always, for welcoming me in for Book Club, and I will be back next week. Till then, I hope you have a happy week of reading. Bye now.